Hey friends, welcome to But What If You Did, the podcast for millennials that find themselves in the middle of the growth phase. You know, the part in the big life transition that doesn't feel good. This is the part where it feels hard to show up every damn day. You may be in the thick of things now, but someday you'll look back and be hella proud of yourself that you kept going. I'm your host, Allison, and honestly, I know the growth phase is messy. That's why I'm sharing my stories and life lessons in hopes that it'll help you navigate the messy stuff in your life. I'm positive our paths have crossed for a reason, and I'm so, so excited to have you along for the ride because now we get to grow through the hard stuff together. Hey friends, welcome back. I'm Allison, and this week I'm coming at you with another Real Talk conversation. This is a follow-up to episode four where we talked about emotional exhaustion. Um, In episode four, I had invited my friend Sam on to have a conversation with me about how emotional exhaustion is taking a toll on millennials across the country as many of us face um, layoffs and long-term furloughs and are having to pivot industries while we're in our you know late 20s, early 30s, um, just as our careers were starting to kind of pick up, right? And after that conversation aired, I was able to connect with some different listeners. And one brought up a really good point that I think is really important and that I want to dive into a little bit further. So um, you know, in the episode, we talked about how for especially a lot of entertainers and even professional sports players and whatnot, um, we tie a lot of who we are and our self-identity to our professions and how that's been a really big learning curve for all of us um, throughout this time is kind of learning to separate that personal and that professional life, right? And to kind of justify to ourselves why we need to pivot um, during this time. And Well, I think that that's been a really good lesson. I think there is a second part to that. And that's what this listener brought up for me. And that is that not only do we struggle with that self-identity problem, but our friends and family also very much associate our job titles as part of our identities. And so it goes further than just us trying to justify and explain this and get ourselves on board. This is about bringing our friends and family along with us and helping them to navigate, um, you know, what we're experiencing. And while they want to be supportive, I think sometimes they can come across as a little bit less supportive or just not really understanding why this is such a big deal for us, right? So I'm going to go ahead and get Sam on the line so that we can dive right into this. But I really hope that this is helpful, and I hope to be able to bring you more Real Talk conversations with this as we head into the next several months, um, because I think what we've learned is this really isn't going away, and the more we can lean on each other, the easier it gets. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sam. Hi, Sam. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. So after we chatted last time, I had a listener right to me, um, talking about not only how, you know, they really resonated with the idea that we as entertainment professionals um, tie a lot of our self-identity to, um, you know, our self-worth and just like that whole side of learning to separate our personal and our professional lives um, and how that's been a big part of being able to self-pivot during this time, but also how they were experiencing um a little bit of a struggle with how much their friends and family identified um, them 
with their job positions. So this particular um, listener is, you know, a professional dancer, dance educator. Um, They've worked as a professional in that field for since they pretty much left um, high school. They, you know, studied it in college, went straight into the professional industry that way. Um, They were working as a um, choreographer for a cruise line. And when COVID hit, they were laid off. And after, you know, several months of unemployment, um, you know, we all are kind of getting, a lot of us that have been dealing with this since March or April are kind of getting to the end of what is available for unemployment, um, you know, assistance. And now we're having to really start to pivot our careers and really make some hard decisions that are not necessarily a point that we all want to be making, but we kind of have to at this point. And so now she's taken on a full-time nanny job and she just feels like a lot of her friends and family are just really confused why she's giving up on dance or not still, you know, chasing after an entertainment career. And the industry is still shut down. Like, yes, it's starting to rebound a little bit, but we're still seeing, you know, not a lot of jobs opening. Um, A lot of companies still struggling, a lot of companies with a lot of people still on furlough and, you know, it's just not rebounding as quick as a lot of us that work in the industry would like it to be. So I want to dive into that a little bit, um, you know, uh, how we can help our friends and family kind of start to separate, and uh, you know, who we are professionally from who we are personally and how that can, um, you know, translate um, into their support Um, so that it really feels like support and not like a judgment coming across, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think there's definitely a lot of confusion around why our industry hasn't come back, especially with professional sports and college sports, allowing spectators to come into the stadium. I know that a lot of my family has reached out and said, well, you know, if Kansas City can have 5,000 people come into the stadium, that's enough to pack a concert hall. Um, So having to explain, well, what do you mean? there are theme parks that are having guests and sporting events are having guests and the big 10 decided they're going to start their season. So what do you mean? We're not going to start doing theater again. And I think having to explain that atmosphere and help them understand that theater and entertainment in itself is a more intimate experience. And you can't get that same type of artistic enjoyment out of something with that small of an audience. It can be challenging. Um, to get our families to understand that. So that's problem number one of explaining we aren't exactly like everything else. Like, yes, we can learn from those sporting events and we can take what they're implementing and maybe implement it in theater or entertainment in the future. But just that starting point of what do you mean you're not like everyone else, (laughs) which we talked a little bit about before is getting them to understand that. And then once you get past that barrier, then we have to address a whole new subset of challenges for how to help them understand that we are not fully identified in our careers and that we have our own individual purposes. Yeah. So I know we were talking a little bit before the call just about how, you know, growing up in the arts takes a lot of that like determination, those long hours, those late nights. Um, So I'll let you dive into that a little bit more, but I think that that's another um, really important piece to this puzzle in understanding why we identify so heavily with this and why our families identify who we are so heavily with our professional um, endeavors. I think growing up for me, I played sports and I also did theater and there was a bit of a transition. I didn't simultaneously play sports and do theater when I was in high school, but my first two years, my freshman and sophomore year, I played soccer and I played basketball and I played 
all of these other sports. And there was practice twice a week from like six to 8 PM. Um, in the pre-driver's license years, it's not that big of a taxing situation on your parents. They just know, okay, well, I'm going to be soccer mom for two hours and drive my kid to practice and come back. Um, when you transition to theater, at least I worked for a professional theater when I was in high school, kind of as an intern. Um, and very quickly, instead of soccer practice two days a week, it was play practice every day uh, because it was a professional environment. They had rehearsals every day for about a month. And then you transition into a tech week where it's longer hours. You go there right after school and you stay there till sometimes 11 p.m. And then you've got show week, which is shows every day, sometimes two shows a day, sometimes long rehearsals or two rehearsals a day. So the commitment, not only from yourself, but from your parents is really important because you can't drive yourself to those practices. You need to have food. You need to have money. You need to have all of the tools you need to do that job because growing up, those things aren't typically provided to you, especially if you want to start a career in the arts. That's when you start building your toolkit, both metaphorically and physically. Um, In the technician field, I needed to physically build my toolkit. So I needed to get those actual tools and clothes and shoes and all of the appropriate gear I needed to do my job. So it became quite a commitment and it turned into my identity as a young professional that I was an entertainment person. That that was it. Um, And as we transitioned into the college years, you know, you've got all of those auditions and portfolio reviews, which are pretty involved. And I can't really speak to the college admissions process for a standard academic degree like engineering or biology or any of the STEM routes. But I would imagine that there's the same type of commitment, but in my experience has been different for the arts. It's just very involved, very commitment heavy, very expensive, to be honest, to get a lot of those resources ready to get a college to accept you. So our parents from an early age and our family and friends and anyone who supported us, even if it's not uh, your biological parents, they have grown with you to understand that you are your career and all of this money that they spent and all of this time that they spent and they want to see you succeed. But it also kind of, it hurts them too, whenever you're struggling. So they are emotionally exhausted along with you when you call them to give them an update about how you still haven't found a job and employment is running out and you don't know what to do and they don't know what to do and they don't know how to support you because there's nothing they can do to help. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of that too goes back to like, as you know, entertainment professionals and stuff like you are literally taught that like, if you want to be successful in this industry, it's all or nothing. So like, you have to be on your A game all the time and you have to do the work and you have to put yourself out there and you have to, like, you have to eat, sleep, breathe the entertainment industry. Um, You know, so I think that that all kind of comes full circle, you know, when you get into your professional life of like you, your entire life, like you have had this mindset of for me to be successful, I have to be go, 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 go. And I have to be on my A game and I have to always be a step ahead of the next thing coming and I have to always whatever. Um, And I just think that that kind of, you know, then, like you said, like not only does it translate um, to like how we got to where we are mentally, but also 
that's all we talked about to our families. That's all like we wanted them to come to every single show that we were doing. And we talked up the show leading up to the show. And then, you know, we talked up the dance recital that was coming up next. And then we talked up how we were going for a theater degree. And then your next show is coming in. Like there's always something on the horizon that we took them along that journey with us. And so they started to associate all of the quality time that they spent with us being associated to this passion that we had. And sitting through some really terrible middle school Shakespeare plays and all of those. <laughs> and that. Uh, fantastic recitals and choral concerts that, oh man, my mom just absolutely loved sitting through a middle school choir concert. Yeah. Um, but I think you bring up a good point about how we eat, sleep, and breathe our career. And this is definitely, I think, a conversation that started in the entertainment industry as a whole through this process that maybe that wasn't the healthiest way to proceed. And I think I'm I'm really glad that we are starting to have the conversations as a community of how much we're putting into our work versus how much we're getting out of it. And I'm seeing also lots of posts on Instagram and people who are talking about personal development, about how you are not you are not your career. So having to break away from that, as we talked about last time, is definitely a challenge, not only in this hard time, but yeah, also just in general, over the course of our yeah. careers, we've been taught like that's our career. Um, and our parents feel the same way, especially because they sat through all of those terrible concerts and terrible plays. And maybe your, maybe your parents aren't theater people. So for me, having my mom sit through my professional productions was a change for her. It was an adapted and acquired taste for her to sit through Spring Awakening. Like, yeah, it was cool. Mom, there's, there's people with like microphones. It's like a rock concert. And she's like, honey, it's, it's still theater. Yeah. Um. (laughs) It's always changed. So, yeah. So I think I kind of want to dive into a little bit of like, how can we help our friends and family not necessarily disassociate our jobs as part of our identity? Because I think that that's a little extreme, especially when it's been a part of who we are for so long. But how do we help them to see right now that we don't have another option and that we really have to embrace the idea of pivoting? Um, and that can look different for everyone. And it, honestly, it probably does look a little bit different for everyone. You know, it doesn't mean that we're looking to kind of change that entire trajectory of our life. But like, to some extent, we do have to do something different. We have to make some type of change. And it's not, um, you know, like the listener was experiencing where they feel like people think they've lost interest in their industry or just decided not to dance again. Um, And that's not the case. But we, you know, we have to find a way to survive right now. And while some of us are fortunate to have friends and family that can help and support us during this time, not everyone does. And so everyone's situation looks a little bit different. Um, And so while you think that it might be coming across as supportive to say something along the lines of like, well, if that's how the company treats you, you're better off finding a new path or you're better off finding a new thing. That's not necessarily helpful to us because maybe we were happy and maybe we're over here trying to self-convince ourselves that that's what we want. And it's not really what we want, but we're also realists and understanding that what the industry is facing is exponentially different. And so there's just a lot of things going on with all of this, right? So helping our family, friends and family to not necessarily, like I said, disassociate, but 
help them to understand why we have to pivot and what that's going to mean for us over the next few years. I think a lot of this comes back to shifting the narrative. And as someone who has spent a lot of time in traditional theater and staying with the tone of storytelling, it's all about our story and our trajectory and how we want to explain that this isn't a new story. It's just a new chapter or a new shift in narrative. So how can we build off of our story and make this a new chapter that eventually transitions back into our careers and explain to them how this new thing we're pursuing can eventually help us. There's always something to be learned from what you're doing right now. There's never anything you're doing in the moment that you can't learn from, even if it's something really small. That's how I've been keeping myself going is saying, well, if I take this job as a babysitter or I'm going to be a nanny or I'm going to go work at a factory, there's, if anything, a teeny little part of that that you can write into your story that will help you in the future. So going going with that has definitely been helpful to my family to help them see a bigger picture and kind of play the long game as opposed to just focusing on right now. Because while you do have to focus on right now, because that's the only thing that matters, like being present in the moment, being mindful of your situation, you also have to be mindful of the future and what you can achieve if you take those little pieces along with you. Yeah. And I think, so I know I kind of talked this a little bit on um, episode six where I talked about boundaries, but, you know, I think a lot of our friends and family, like they drive these reactions around um, our self-worth and our insecurities kind of come to light. And when they challenge us, um, when we're already feeling this immense stress to make really hard decisions during really uncertain times, um, it kind of can push us into a shutdown mode, right? Like we're going to put up those defense walls. We're going to kind of pull back from people. And like, these are the people that we should be leaning on for support. But, you know, sometimes just the way that the conversation comes up or the way the conversation is phrased or the intonation used in the conversation can drive these, you know, these, some of our deepest insecurities to kind of surface. Um, And really that, like I said, like that makes us question every single little decision that we're being forced to make. So I think, um, you know, I would challenge people to uh, be more open with those conversations that you're having. And when people are pushing you in those directions to kind of be more vocal about establishing a boundary. So maybe it's that you don't, you know, it's, you can only talk about these work things between 10 a.m. and noon because talking about them all day just really stresses you out and talking about them too close to bedtime. Maybe that's keeping you up at night because of anxiety, Um, things like that. So like really just being forward about putting in some boundaries, because I think that while everyone has good intentions to want to help us, I also think that we're doing a lot to protect ourselves on an emotional exhaustion level, on a personal level. Um, Just our heads are constantly swirling with, what do we do next? What do I focus on? Where do I take this skill? You know, like you said, um, and focusing on, okay, am I considering the big picture? Am I really, is this only a short-term fix? And trying to sort all that out for ourselves. And I think sometimes that just means having those more firm conversations with friends and family to say, this is how I need you to support me during this time, rather than them just 
kind of all over the place offering support that may not necessarily be what you need during that time. And I think those boundaries are kind of analogous to some of the conversations that a lot of us have had when we started our careers. It was a challenge for me to get my mom on board with wanting to go to school for technical theater. So putting in that same style of work to move forward and setting those boundaries. And as you said, like being vocal about them and really being strong in your own will to say, this is my boundary. Like maybe I can't talk about this all day, every day. Like every time I talk to my mom, sometimes she's like, why haven't you found a job yet? I'm like, mom, not right now. I just, I can't. Um, And it takes work and they'll eventually go along with you. So (laughs) it, it can be hard. But I think that that goes, it's the same thing that kind of goes back to our friend circles too, right? Where like we have friends that are back at work or have found other jobs in the industry and it can be really exhausting to have to talk to them one after another. And I know I personally have found myself getting way more worked up than I probably should just because it's like when I'm talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, it just puts me into an anxious state about like, What's next? How am I going to get myself out of this? How do I, what's my next move? What's my, whatever. Um, if they figured it out, why can't I? And the reality is like, we can't compare what our individual journeys right now to those around us. Cause it's just not, nobody's living the same story right now. Everyone's story is truly unique and everyone's coping mechanisms are truly unique. And everyone has a different idea of what a pivot might look like for them. So also, I kind of want to look at from a different perspective of like, you know, I know you and I tend to be a little more like, what do we learn from this? Right. And like kind of reframing that for ourselves, like you said, of like, what are those little things that we're taking away from um, searching for different jobs? Or if I take this other job, how does this translate back to the entertainment industry? Should you know, it rebound in a couple of years and that be the right time for me to come back. Because the reality is not all of us are going to be able to wait around. And, you know, I would assume that this is, you know, we've seen professional sports players that have chosen, even though their sport is playing this year to not play because it's, you know, that's a personal health decision for them or whatever it may be. Um, And, you know, they're probably looking at these other things too. I think we've seen a lot of shift towards um, more creative um, entrepreneurship type things and just people looking at second streams of income and just everyone kind of shifting in different ways. Um, But I think it's all tied to what we're learning from the experience and how we as individuals intend to carry that into the next chapter of our lives. So what are we learning now that we'll do differently in the future because we've lived through this? Or how do we take what we're learning now and kind of help to use that to translate into, you know, that next really big thing for ourselves. And it it starts with recognizing the power in your own reactions too. And chances are the people along the journey with you, the people climbing the mountain with you are also going to start adapting to those reactions. So if you're miserable and you're anxious, they're going to be anxious. If you start putting that positive shift on something that you're doing, they're going to see that and they're going to be a little bit less worried or at least hopefully, and it might take some time, but getting them to come along with you. It's not so much just watch me do this thing. It's let's go on this journey together. Let's climb this mountain together. And that's how you build a true support system. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's important. 
um, your podcast, I think it was last episode about who's climbing the mountain with you is really important in this time, especially because everything is so stressful and we're so emotionally exhausted through this whole process, like choosing those people who are going to climb the mountain with you and be your support and help you set up your tent and carry your pool for you whenever you get tired, like you need those people in your life. So making that important to them. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen it even too, just with, like I said, like I have a lot of friends that are good people, but not all of them have been the most supportive friends during these incredibly challenging times. So like I have a friend that once a week specifically says, how can I best support you this week? Or how can I best support you with this new thing you want to try? Um, And that's really important to me because I know that they want to help me however I'm, however they best can. But I also have friends that want to just throw out advice at every corner. And I sometimes think that the advice can become overwhelming and that's not necessarily, you know, it's information overload. It's too much advice. It's the wrong type of advice. It's not the, you know, the advice that's resonating with us. Um, That type of thing. You know, I, I think that there's just a lot that kind of goes into the, you know, what each person is bringing to the table right now in terms of helping us navigate these challenging times. And that's definitely, like you said, like it's tied back to who is climbing that mountain with you and bringing the right people with you on these, this new chapter, because that's what we're all in right now is we're in a new chapter filled with uncharted territory and who's meant to be there for you during this time may not be who it was when this all started. And coming to peace with that is important. As long as you can keep yourself honest and accountable in that journey, I think anyone going through this will find more success whenever they have stacked the cards in their favor and have set up boundaries and put the right people behind them and started to build kind of a tangential foundation to what they're doing and what their careers are going to look like in the future. So like in terms of learning from the experience, we can learn personally and then we can also learn professionally. So I think that's definitely an important note to consider anytime you're having a conversation or you're applying for a job. Yeah. I know we were talking a little bit, just, you know, like finding those ways to connect these different things that you're learning and these different experiences and these things that are part of your story back to new job postings and just trying to figure out like how these things that didn't necessarily feel translatable at one point in time now feel more translatable um, across industries. And, um, you know, like I said, focusing on what you're learning and how that thing that you learned is transferable rather than like necessarily a hard skill. I think a lot of this has to do honestly with soft skills and communication and um, just how you're presenting your skills. Yeah. And honesty with recruiters, I think has helped me out a little bit. I don't typically go in interviews pretending that I'm an expert in industrial factory automation, but being honest and saying you have a background in entertainment and demonstrating that you had skills that you can transfer, I think says a lot more than just saying, well, I want to learn about this or, well, I kind of know this or I kind of know that, but to pinpoint those exact skills that you have and say, here is how I think this experience that I have is going to help me in this new position that shows to a recruiter, to someone who might be interested in you, that you're willing to adapt. You can 
extrapolate information from a different circumstance and apply it to a new one. And it shows that you're a critical thinker and it shows that you're willing to put in the work, uh, not just to get through the interview, but to do the job that you're applying to do. Um, and explaining that to your families along the way too. I was just going to say, I think that that's another part of this is that like in the same way that we are presenting ourselves to recruiters and hiring managers and whatnot in jobs that we are interviewing for, I think that we also need to be having those same how skills are transferable and how they translate um, with our families. Because, I, you know, I think we've kind of experienced this thing where it's like, you say you're posting for these things that sound like they have nothing to do with anything you've ever applied yourself to before. And our families are looking at us like, what are you doing? And I think that this specifically kind of allows us to, um, this gives us an opportunity to not only use it to explain to other professionals, but also to um, explain it to our families in a way that maybe might resonate with them a little bit more. Yeah, and it's not like we're starting over from scratch, too. It's kind of like when you're building a foundation on a house, or I'm sorry, if you're building an addition on a house, you build off of the existing structure. And yeah, it's a a new room or a new addition, and it's going to look different, and it might have a different design, but it's still part of the overall structure. And all of those things that you learn along the way in building that are going to help you complete the bigger picture. So really thinking of it in terms of like a design or a story, you're building something cohesive, even if it looks a little bit different, you're still building off of the same foundational structure that you started with. As long as you had a solid foundation to begin with, you have a pretty clear path forward once you get started. Yeah. So I think that this has been a really good conversation. I hope it's really been helpful um, to kind of dive into this a little bit further for some of the listeners. Um, I do want to wrap up with just some you know, like tangible tips, some like three key takeaways um, that we kind of came up with that I think will be really helpful to um, kind of navigating this moving forward. Um, the first is to be patient because uh, the reality is our friends and family care an immense amount and this is hard for them too. Um, the second is you just have to accept the fact that you're going to have to have a lot of tough conversations um, around a lot of this. But Tough conversations aren't necessarily a bad thing. And I think sometimes they can be more healing than we expect them to be. And the third is, I, I think when we say something about, you know, it, we are in control of our reactions. Um, we're in control of our mindset. And so much of this is tied back to our own way, like making the best of it for ourselves, right? Like, we all know we're in a crappy situation, but we all know that we're going to be stronger and more resilient on the back end of this for having lived it. And so I think it's more about how we talk to ourselves about it, which is then going to positively translate into how we talk to our friends about it, how we use our resources, how we connect with recruiters, et cetera. Yeah. And building off of that, I think one of the most important things through all three of those lessons is understanding that much like healing from emotional trauma or physical trauma, the rate of change isn't constant. Like it's not going to be a continuous uphill climb with no dips or falls. It's not going to be linear. Um, and recognizing that, you know, 
there might be a mountain behind you you were on top of and now you're in a valley and there's another mountain in front of you and it looks really challenging but there might be a valley on the other side and there also might be an even higher mountain on the other side of that valley that you can eventually get to the top of so just understanding that there are ups and downs to this and taking those with great strides and a lot of positivity and patience and perseverance. And I think we'll all come out of this much stronger than we started and it'll benefit us in our careers long-term. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me and I'll talk to you all soon. All right, friends. I just want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you know, I know that this was very entertainment industry centric. Um, that's, like I said, that's my background. Um, that's real time what I'm dealing with and what I'm seeing um, and what a lot of my listeners are experiencing right now. But I know that a lot of what we talked about is also very translatable across other industries. And I don't think it's um, surprising to hear in any facet, right? So I think it's something that a lot of us are kind of facing. And I think it's important to know that you're not alone in how you feel with all of this. So, Next week, I'll be back at you with some more lessons learned. And until then, keep moving forward. Thank you so much for taking some of your valuable time to hang out with me today. I hope you found a nugget of wisdom to encourage you to get out of your own way and to take action, even when it feels hard. Resources and links discussed in today's episode can be found in the show notes. And P.S. If you love this episode or it really vibed with you, I would love for you to slide into my DMs on Instagram at but period what if I did period the podcast so that we can connect or better yet share this to your story or even maybe send it to a friend and tag me so that I can personally say thank you for coming along this journey with me. Until next time, friends. 